Welcome to the Why Relationships Matter podcast, powered by Goody Nation, where conversations with founders, experts, and organizations show how leveraging networks creates deep relationships that lead to revenue, funding, better CEOs, and big impacts. All right, everyone, welcome to the next episode of the Why Relationships Matter podcast by Goody Nation. I am Joey Womack, founder and CEO, and today we have a great conversation uh, with two extraordinary individuals on mobility and the inclusion in that space. So as it um, kind of relates to this podcast and why we're doing it, at Goody Nation, we really exist to close what we call the relationship gap. And the relationship gap is defined by the lack of access between diverse founders and social entrepreneurs, or really entrepreneurs in general, and key, and key influencers, particularly those from top companies and those from top colleges and universities. And so what we see in our space is that there is a large gap for diverse founders and social entrepreneurs and their connection to key influencers. And so this show is dedicated toward telling their stories telling how awesome they are and showing why relationships matter, not only for them, but for entrepreneurs across the world so that they can go out and build amazing companies. And so I'm, I have the honor and the privilege to be joined by two amazing individuals today, Brandon Winfield and Joy Guerin. And so uh, I cannot explain how awesome they are, uh, as, as many of you all know that uh, for me. And so I'm going to let them do their thing uh, for some quick intros, and then we'll get into the conversation. So Brandon, you want to do a quick intro? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, my name is Brandon Winfield. I'm 28 years old, pretty much based out of Atlanta. Uh, I actually grew up in the Alpharetta area, but if you're not from Georgia, we just say Atlanta. Um, so yeah, I am the CEO and co-founder of iAccess Life. We are a mobile application that exists to allow users to rate, review, and research locations based on their accessibility and kind of take the, the guesswork out of going out to new places. Awesome. Awesome. Joy? Yeah, good morning. Um, my name is Joy Guerin, and I am currently a senior manager of product management at Root Insurance, um, an insurance tech company, brand new, newly IPO'd um, with the goal of unbreaking insurance um, and really bringing more equity into the space. Prior to joining Root um, in June, I was at Park Mobile for the last four years. Uh, many of you are familiar with Park Mobile, and Park Mobile is a mobility and payments platform for parking uh, and, and mobility. So nice. Awesome. 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 So let's, let's get into it. So I want to give some context, you know, really before we go into the origin stories of these amazing individuals, I want to get some context about how this whole show kind of came to place. And so a few months ago, I think it was, I think it was in June. Um, my memory is kind of shaky these days. So it could, it could have been a different, different month. Could have been May, could have been July, but uh, Brandon, who I've known for a few years was interviewing for the Goody Nation Intentionally Good Program. And I was telling them about the program, and one of the key things that what we do is what we call weekly accountability group stand-ups. And so as I'm talking to him about the program, I mentioned it one time, and in my mind, I'm like, oh, maybe this is offensive. And then I'm going to, and I say it again. And after that second time, I'm like, oh, wow, this is pretty offensive. Maybe I, should, I think we should change the name. And, and correct me if I'm wrong, Brent, I believe I think I brought it up to you during the actual interview. And yeah, so I committed, yeah. yeah, I think I committed on the spot to change the name of Stand Up to something else. Um, we actually ultimately landed on, on Huddle as an organization. But 
it was important to me because, and, and, and not to say that we're amazing at Goody Nation in me particular, but I started to think about like, like when it comes to this whole diversity, equity, and more importantly, inclusion space, a lot of times the attention is focused on uh, race or ethnicity, sometimes it's on gender and a few other areas, but there are, I think, a lot of other kind of subcultures or subpopulations, so to speak, that are excluded when it comes to, to inclusion. And so, going yeah. and so, Brian, I want to kind of get your, your thoughts on that, but also your origin story. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I was going to say, you did end up changing it right away. The first one I came to was called A Huddle. Um, and we were kind of talking offline a little bit before we started this, but I worked in the IT space as one of my first kind of career paths, I would say at the time. And I remember going every Friday to a stand-up meeting where everybody would stand up and I would be the only person sitting down. Um, and funny enough, that's kind of part of why I ended up in the you know space that I am of having this mobile app was I, I never really let, let words offend me. And I think that was kind of part of the way I was raised with my family and then just saying, you know, this is what it is, you know, embrace this and be different and be who you are. So I kind of took the stand up as, well, you know, I feel like that could be better approached and come up with a different word for it. But I never was somebody to create a scene or kind of go out of my way to say, oh, poor me, what about me? Um, so that kind of jumps into my founder story a little bit. I grew up racing motocross. Um, that was always the dream of mine was to race professionally. And now that I think back about it, I was actually manifesting things before, before I knew I was manifesting things and before I really knew what manifesting was. Um, I always wanted to ride for Honda. I always wanted to have the gear that I got for free with my name on the back and my sponsors on the front. And I was able to check those two boxes off. I wanted to be homeschooled and go race these big races. I got to do all that. And uh, I ended up getting hurt when I was 14. So just two years before I could legally, you know, turn professional. So um, I knew the risk of what I was doing. I was doing what I loved. All those things kind of helped me transition into a, a lifestyle of, hey, let's make the best out of what we have. Um, it wasn't a freak accident. I met a lot of people in rehabilitation that were in the wrong place at the wrong time. Um, we're just doing things that they probably shouldn't have been doing. And now they're suffering from this uh, tragic event that, you know, they probably never had a major injury in their life before. So I met a lot of people that were very down and I didn't want to be that. I wanted to go back to having a great time, um, getting my driver's license, going on dates with girls, hanging out with friends, going to parties. And that's what I did. Um, but through that kind of journey, as I got older and left the neighborhood of Alpharetta and Johns Creek, which was growing and relatively new and took ADA um, compliance into mind, I would go down to downtown Atlanta, essentially, and be met with very uneven parking spots, uh, locations that had a lot of stairs to get into the front where you'd have to go down a back alley, someplace that wasn't very well lit and go in a back door to access it. Um, bathrooms that were not accessible and the issues that caused for me since, you know, I had to take care of that when I need to take care of it. And going back to just me being somebody that wasn't a complainer, or somebody didn't want to make a scene, I decided to create something that was a solution instead. And that was a mobile application that was for the people, by the people, essentially. You would get accessibility ratings from somebody that you knew had a disability. You weren't calling a 1-800 number to talk to somebody at the place that has no idea about accessibility. And um, I just really wanted to give and empower those people that I saw in rehab that had seemed to have given up on life and having a good time. And I wanted to give them a way to have fun and a way to confidently explore and be independent and 
just have a good time and access life essentially. So that's kind of where the name comes from. Mm, nah, I love it. Amazing, amazing story. There are so many things I think I want to, I want to ask a little bit later on, including, you know, as we think about as the world, well, Delta variant, other, whatever, whatever Greek letter of variants kind of come to come next, hopefully they, they won't, you know, what is the inclusion from the mobility standpoint look like in a, in a, in a post pandemic world? Um, but, but Joy, I want to kick it to you. You know, what's, what's your origin story? Um, you know, eventually how do you get into tech? You know, you know, all, all, all that. Yeah. So, um, I'm originally from Baton Rouge, Louisiana, and, um, you know, a, a big part of my origin story has to do with childhood. Um, I kind of grew up in a home. My father was always interested in technology. I think for as long as I can remember, we had a computer in the house kind of from an early age. Um, I remember, you know, having to launch my games from, you know, a DOS, uh, <laughs> command prompt and all of that good stuff. So, um, I was always kind of comfortable with technology from just having access to it in my home. Um, and then when I was in second grade, um, the local HBCU in Baton Rouge, Southern University, which was a huge part of my, my childhood, um, they had a program called Engineering Summer Institute, um, which was the first place that I learned how to code. Um, and I think the, the language that they taught us that summer was like logo or something like that. It was basically kind of you type in a bunch of code and the output might be some little animated stuff going on. Um, and then by middle school, I, you know, the AOL was a big thing. And um, I, I was really curious about how people were creating these GeoCity sites. Um, and so I just started printing off reams and reams of like tutorials on how to code HTML and um, kind of starting in middle school, started teaching myself how to make basic websites and, and doing all of that good stuff on GeoCities. Um, fast forward to college, um, you know, I, I, I joined a sorority and, um, you know, they were looking for someone who could help out with our website and with kind of graphic design and those things. And so because I had those skills, um, I was a music business major. So a part of my major was um, graphic design, technology, a lot of different things combined with music. Um, and so I picked that up and was just really, you know, using it to help organizations. Um, and long story short, I my first foray into professionally, I guess, doing uh, technology for money, <laughs> um, I interned, my mom got me an internship with a local radio host, um, a talk radio host. And I was kind of just running errands for him and doing different things. And he was like, what, what skills do you have? Um, and you know, I started maintaining his website. And then one day out of the blue, um, a woman in Baton Rouge who was an artist called me and she said, oh, this person told me that you design websites. I need a website. How much do you charge? And that was my introduction into, okay, figuring out how do I, you know, properly price my services and all of those things. So that led me down a road, um, you know, which to, to briefly kind of sum up my origin story, you know, I, I finished college, continued to freelance and do a lot of technology work, and then ended up going to business school um, and getting an MBA. And then I came out knowing that I wanted to do something that combined technology, business, kind of design, and overall kind of general management. Um, so after a rotational program, I found myself um, working with an HR partner who was like, product management we, would be great for you. I didn't know what product management was. I didn't have the language to, to really ask for that job, but it ended up being a fantastic fit. Um, and so for the last five years, I've really been working with companies that are focused on kind of, you know, enlarging the table, if you will. So I, you know, 
started out at Career Builder, um, where we were really focused on um, lower wage or lower skilled workers and how can we help them chart a path um, from where they are to kind of jobs that pay a little bit more, you know, helping them fill the skills gaps and just gaps in understanding for how do I get to point A to point B. And then I moved over to Park Mobile, um, where we we're really focused on, you know, increasing transparency around parking. Um, you know, it's great because I was telling Brandon before we got on the air that um, I was excited to meet him because um, he actually did a deal with one of our competitors. And I was super excited kind of reading about it and, and because we were thinking a lot about um, how do we surface um, accessible parking as well and also um, looking at accessibility overall in our application um, and our consumer experiences. And then now I'm at Root where we're really focused on like how do we um, unbreak insurance and really you know, enlarge the table for people so that they're not penalized for a credit score, let's say, when it has nothing to do with their driving, right? And so um, that's kind of been a theme for me over the last few years and I'm really enjoying kind of looking at all of these different spaces and what inclusion means in those spaces. No, that's 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 awesome. So as, as I started to listen to, to the origin story, it, by the way, what's the word are you in? Uh, Delta Sigma Theta. That's awesome. Awesome. My, my mother and, and, and few aunts are Delta. So so here's the interesting thing. Even so one of the reasons why we do why relationships matter the way that we do them and draw the lines between making connections between between guests. And again, when we thought about, you know, awesome guests for this show, had no idea that that, that Joy was even you know familiar with with Brandon was was obviously super excited. But for me, my origin story, I've shared this on several other podcasts, so I think as people continue to listen to this, you'll probably know me pretty well, is that I, too, got my start in tech through an HBCU summer program for high school students. And so my summer project at Tuskegee University was to learn HTML, and I'm dating myself. This is summer 1996 as I went into my senior year of high school. And so, you know, that was not the intention of my summer project. It was not the intention. I was supposed to be doing something in mechanical engineering. My my professor, who was the the the, the person they assigned to to me to to lead the project, just so happened to know HTML and be interested in it, in the web, in the internet back then. This is like you know what? I'm not going to teach this guy about mechanical engineering. His summer project will be the internet, and he taught me how to build websites that summer. And and from that point forward, I thought about a solution based in the internet. And that's my entryway into tech. So if he's like, you know, yo, dude, like I'm gonna teach you this mechanical engineering thing, like Joey Womack is never in tech. And so going to the Geo Cities, and I'll stop here because it's it's ain't about me. Um, my, the first time I ever built a website was on Homestead back in the day. I had a thought when I, eventually I went on to Florida a and and had an idea for a website um, use Homestead to build it and actually lever going back to the fraternity sorority piece. That was what I ended up, I ended up pledging like a few months later, quite honestly. And, uh, the, the, the older brothers, the brothers then, um, were interested in me in, in, in most part because I knew how to build websites. Um, so also Joey Womack, it probably is not an alpha. If, if any of my, uh, my, my profiles are watching right now, he's probably not an alpha if he doesn't, um, you know, build websites and stuff like that. <laughs> anyway, anyway, uh, so let's let's talk about, you know, Brent, I want to kick it to you about, you know, kind of where you are today, right? Um, and along the way, or if you could give like examples of how relationships, you know, forget, forget for a second, like where you are today. 
let's talk about any kind of key relationships, like individual people that you may know that have kind of caused some inflection points along your way. So I don't know if anybody kind of jumps to mind for you, you know, in your entryway into tech or, you know, kind of what you're doing right now. Yeah, quite a few people, honestly. Um, like my background story is growing up racing motocross. That was the focus. I don't want to say I was a dumb jock because I think I was relatively just kind of naturally not quick witted, but just street smart. Essentially, I had some wits about me and I could, you know, not study my way through school and still get B's and just do enough that I would be able to ride my dirt bike and not make my parents mad, essentially. So I paid enough attention. I did my homework. I did everything I could, but it was never the focus. So coming into this space, I had no prior business background. I didn't know what ROI was. I didn't know what was in a business plan. I didn't know how to do projections. I didn't know anything, honestly. Um, I just looked up, how do you make a mobile app? I saw how much money it costs to get one of those done. I said, I don't have <laughs> anywhere near that amount of money or and I don't know how to acquire it. So I just started doing a whole bunch of research and down the road, I honestly spoke to, um, you know, my dad was one of the main people. He worked in IT, knew a lot of people that had developed apps before. And uh, he actually got me in contact with some of them. We started working together kind of on a pro preliminary prototype essentially. And they just ultimately didn't see the vision that I had for what I wanted to build and what it could do for the community. And like just making a group of people that were out having a good time and just kind of building that relationship. So I ultimately didn't work with them. Um, I took a chance and they were gonna actually build this for free just cause they thought it was a, um, a, a sign of good faith or something essentially. And they were just gonna help me out. And I kind of took a chance and didn't work with them. So I was kind of thrown to the wolves of how do I do this? How do I raise money? And uh, one of my close friends at the time, Zach, he had an uncle that was the CEO of a company that I would confide in and kind of talk to him about everything, about how to go about this. He did a lot of help with me or did a lot of work with me and helped me out a lot. And I mean, ultimately, the biggest person was my co-founder, Saeed, coming on board. Um, that was just through me doing a lot of the groundwork, starting an LLC, getting some videos together, what the app would be like, um, finding a family friend, um, who, um, Jay Bailey, it's not Jay Bailey, um, a different Bailey actually. And uh, he actually helped us out, get a prototype and that's kind of what kicked everything off. And then um, my sister posted a video on her Facebook of what we were working on and Saeed reached out saying, hey, that's a really cool project that he's working on. Um, I kind of have this tech background, I graduated from Georgia Tech and I can help him out as far as getting things together that he needs. And that was, you know, this, you know, the kickoff point for everything for me was having that guy that had that background um, and he filled a lot of gaps that I didn't have, essentially. So um, relationships were really important to me. I at first wanted to do this by myself and prove that I could do this. And then as things started to progress and get more difficult, I, I needed other people and having those relationships and just kind of being a good friend of people and being somebody that somebody wanted to help out uh, really paid off in the long run for me. Nice, nice. And before I kick it to, to Joy for, for, you know, the relationships that matter, you know, throughout her life, especially as she got into tech, I think here's an interesting um, connection point. So I forgot to mention, so, so Joy used to be a volunteer for Goody Nation as we did our hackathons. And I want to say, Brandon, that I actually met Saeed first at one of the Goody Nation hackathons that I think Joy was actually, um, you know, part of a part of uh, the team, the team with. So 
Uh, tell him I said what's up. By the way, we haven't spoken in a minute, but but tell him I said what's up. I, I will. He actually brings that up, um, especially when I got involved in Goody Nation and what we're doing now. He's just like, man, if I wouldn't have gone to that conference, I probably would have never got in front of him, got to talk to him about what we were doing, and all these relationships with everybody else wouldn't have kind of fallen into place. So it it really pays off. And one of the things I I work at Atlanta Tech Village helping startups here. And one of the things I tell people is just to show up to events and be there and be consistent. And you may not have the best product yet. You may not have the best business plan, but people will invest in you and that kind of relationship that you can build with somebody or they'll make an introduction to somebody that can really change things for you. Um, so show up to these things, talk to people and kind of put yourself out there and don't be afraid to, uh, you know, get shot down essentially. <laughs> Yeah, no, nah, there it is. There it is. I mean, so Joy, um, you know, what are some of those inflection points, those relationships that mattered, you know, throughout your life? Yeah, when I think about um, the relationships that have been really impactful for me, um, I kind of think of them in three, maybe three categories. So one is really just about like skills building, you know, like building expertise. Um, second is really about exposure. And then the last one for me, which is really big, is about confidence, because I think that I one thing that I noticed about myself as I've kind of made the journey through different stages of life is that um, it's gotten you know, less important over the years, but I used to really struggle a lot with imposter syndrome. And so I think a lot of, you know, those key relationships for me um, were people who opened up the door so that I could see how the sausage was made so that it was less intimidating for me to take the next step. And so um, starting, you know, I'll go back to Southern again. Um, in high school, uh, so I also was participating in Southern's uh, summer pre-college programs. And the big one that I was involved in for like three or four years um, was called the Timbuktu Academy. And it's Dr. Jola Bagioko, um, who's a physics professor at Southern, um, had a grant from NASA. I heard you say on a previous um, episode that you were in a program that like paid you a thousand dollars in the summer <laughs> and this was also my motivation so it was the same sort of thing I was like oh I could go to this program where I'm going to learn physics they're going to drill me on all of these things that I need to get a higher ACT score um, and get paid a thousand dollars or I could go work at the mall and it was like clearly like I get you know two for the price of one by going to the summer program so really going through that every summer like I'm not a natural um, science and math person necessarily um, I'm not bad at it but I'm also not like it's not my most comfortable space. And so just, you know, being forced to um, be in chemistry lab and, and take college physics concepts kind of early on, even when I didn't understand them and didn't know what I was doing, I think lowered the fear that I had, you know, about potentially like wrestling with new concepts in science and mathematics. So that's a big relationship that I think was important for me um, to give me that kind of exposure. Um, the second one I would probably say Going from um, being a new college graduate into business school, um, I would say one, um, my one of my best friends, her name is Lynn. She, um, when I was probably 2008, um, I was talking to her and she was in banking, working on Wall Street. And both of us were kind of talking about um, what we wanted to do as a next step. Um, and, you know, she had gone to Spelman um, and was a chemistry major, but she had gone to Wall Street kind of coming out of undergrad. Um, and she was looking at a program called Management Leadership for Tomorrow, or MLT. And I had never heard of this program. She told me, oh, I'm you know, going to be applying to business school as well. I'm doing this program called MLT. And I was like, well, what is that? Um, and once I learned about MLT um, and applied for their MBA prep program, it really opened up just like a whole world that I had never had any exposure to. Um, 
because I was looking at going to local kind of MBA programs, staying in Louisiana. Um, and when I joined MLT, they really challenged me and they said, hey, our mission is to get more African-American and minority um, students to the top 25 business schools in the country. And so <laughs> they looked at my initial list and they were like, all right, this is okay. You can keep this on your list. But like, can you look at some of these other schools too, to see if you could qualify for them, you know, see what, you know, if you even are interested. And, you know, lo and behold, at the end of the, the program I ended up going to Duke, which was not even on my radar, not something that I thought I could do. So those relationships were really important. And then the last one that I'll say is most recently at Park Mobile, I had um, really great managers, coaches, and mentors. So starting off with my first manager at Park Mobile, Bob Shepard, who really gave me a lot of opportunity to just do a ton of different things. Like I basically told him, I went to his office and I said, hey, I want to make your job <laughs> easy. Like that's what I'm looking at my job as. So like anything, like I want, I want things to only have to come to you if it's an escalation. And so that really prepared me to get promoted to really oversee all of our consumer experiences because he gave me the bandwidth to just kind of like learn so much, ask so many questions. And then he really um, sponsored me in a lot of ways for that promotion. And then my next manager, Jeff Perkins, who's now the CEO of Park Mobile, yeah. um, really opened up his network to give me a lot of exposure, especially over the last year and a half, um, you know, allowing me to, you know, speak to different people in his network and get published in articles and just increase my visibility. And so a lot of those things, I would say the last person was John Brown, who has an amazing consulting background, and he was kind of coaching me, um, you know, on the side, so I could always bring any challenges or problems or questions that I had to him. And so those kinds of key people who really helped me to kind of, I knew I had good ideas, but they kind of validated those ideas or validated, you know, maybe um, challenged me to kind of raise the bar for what I wanted to do um, to a different level. So that's been kind of the key relationships that I think have really allowed me to continue to grow. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. That's awesome. And it's awesome that, you know, one of your managers is not a, not a CEO. Um, Man. So, so what I would say for you all, uh, and also anyone listening out there for the people that um, have affected your life and, 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 and been inflection points. If you can, if, if you can, if you have the ability um, in one way, shape or form, you know, send, send a thank you note to them, text, email, call, whatever. Um, so now I want to shift the conversation a little bit to the intersection of mobility and inclusion. All right. So Brent, I'm, I'm going to come back to you. You know, what are, this is what you do, right? I don't, again, you know, going to the context of why I wanted to have this, this episode, don't think a lot of people think about it in, in terms of not only mobility, obviously, but just going about their everyday life. So, you know, any interesting things that you're seeing, you know, you know, what are some of the key thoughts that you have? I mean, it's kind of open in the question, you can kind of take it however you, uh, you know, however you see fit. Yeah, I think, like Joy said, that, um, how she noticed me was working with passport parking. I, and I think that kind of is a overarching thing for what I'm about to say is that a lot of companies and organizations are now starting to focus on, you know, disability and inclusion in that kind of thought of accessibility, um, allowing everybody to access a location, you know, whether it's a seeing or a visual impairment, a hearing impairment, a mobility impairment, just making things overall accessible for everybody because that's such a big demographic and, you know, if you make things accessible for everybody and, you know, everybody can access it, essentially, um, you don't really have to necessarily worry about people without mobility impairments, seeing impairments or hearing impairments. So 
I've noticed that a lot. Um, I noticed it's becoming more of a topic of discussion and we're very excited about the direction that it's heading in. So we have a potential partnership coming up with an airport that I don't want to name yet. Um, we're working with them to kind of help allow people with disabilities navigate the airport easier, essentially, from their journey from the parking lot to the bathroom to the check-in counter to their gate. So, uh, yeah, we're, we're headed down that path. And I think it's time to be proactive instead of reactive. Um, I want these companies to kind of lead the way and jump in and don't be afraid to. Um, it's it's not that different, you know, it's not different at all. So make the jump um, and open up your demographic, open up your potential um, ways of making revenue. Uh, we travel together. We don't go alone. We tend to be with companions and friends and family. And we tell people we have a, a strong network of people that we talk to. So, uh, yeah be on our good side, essentially, I guess. Yeah, yeah. And Joy, I don't know if you have any, any thoughts on, on, on the matter. I mean, you spent four years at, at Park Mobile, but just, I mean, but also you're, you're a human being, right? And so, you know, how, how do you think about, you know, the intersection of mobility and inclusion? Yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, getting around, particularly in a city like Atlanta, right? Like, I mean, lots of the transportation is, is, automobile based, right? We have some, some public transit, we have, you know, um, different, you know, things that we offer, but people still by and large get around with, with cars. And so one of the things that I was thinking about when we were at, when I was at Park Mobile, um, you know, and I noticed Brandon and the deal that he did, um, you know, we were looking at ways to get accessibility data. Um, we were working particularly with a city, um, Columbus, Ohio, who had a lot of interest in kind of a smart cities initiatives. And so they were very focused on how can we surface and make more transparent where um, accessible parking spaces are located. Um, but, you know, it's hard to get that data in a lot of cases. Um, I would say, you know, I, I looked around for lots of different service providers and there's not one service provider really um, that can tell you, okay, in, in every city, this is where the accessible parking spaces are. And sometimes it's even difficult to get it from the parking operators, you know, to, for them to say like, wait, how many accessible spaces do you have in your garage or in your lot, you know, and, and the cities themselves. And so um, I think that for, for me, that was one of the things that I really wanted to try to solve for. Um, and, and people can tell you, I used to sit on uh, Google Street View when we were working with the city of Columbus, like trying to verify, like if I saw in the Street View image, you know, if there was an accessible parking space or, or whatever. Um, and then even building on top of just accessible parking spaces, we did a lot of work to um, make the app in and of itself more accessible. So, you know, there are so many great um, tools that the devices and the platforms today offer. So, you know, there's voiceover capabilities and a lot of, um, you know, folks who don't have to use those tools don't even realize that they exist. Um, and so we spent a lot of time, um, you know, making sure that voiceover would work with our app and, you know, looking at color contrast for people who may have, um, you know, visual impairments. And we really did an entire audit um, and are still working through the process of um, really trying to close a lot of those accessibility gaps. And I think that it's twofold, right? Like there, on the one hand, um, it's super important for us as a company, and I'm saying us, even though I'm not there anymore, they're my family, but, uh, you know, it's super important for companies that work with um, municipalities to be thinking about accessibility because city governments and, you know, 
right-of-way public space parking serves all of the citizens in these cities. And so you have to be thinking about it. I think it's really important. Um, and then on the other side of it, you know, when you're thinking about risk management as a company and an app developer and all of those things, as you grow, it's really important to pay attention to um, the laws that are that exist around um, making sure that your experiences are accessible. Um, because you know you don't want to find yourself in a situation where you know you're because you didn't pay attention to this that you know maybe you you're in violation of some of the laws that exist out there. So you just want to be um, aware of that. It's really important. And it also is is good for inclusion. It's a good thing to do. Nice, 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 nice. No, that's, that's awesome. As you, as you are talking, I'm starting to think about a few other things as it relates to just inclusion in, in general, just even outside of transportation. But that's maybe, I, I, we, we can spend a few times um, talking about. So, so one of the things again, as I mentioned earlier today around, you know, the pandemic is really in terms of this is this is event planning, right? So when people say, oh, we're having a meeting for X and it's going to be in person, but this is like, you know, July 2021, August 2021, so on and so forth. And, you know, I feel like as an event planner now, you have to be, you have to go into, like, I'm sorry, to be, if you want to be an inclusive event planner, you should include for a, a hybrid experience, both in-person and virtual, and allow people to kind of choose. And to me, if you consciously make the decision for it not to be in-person, I'm sorry, not to have the, a hybrid or online option, then you are cutting off an entire group of people who, who for various reasons, for various reasons, don't want to be in-person. And so then that got me thinking like, well, how much did that, if you do that, how much that person really, really care about the people attending? And why are you truly doing the event? Is it more about you and the ego? And to be clear, my background is event planning where I serve thousands of event organizers. Like that was my startup. And I understand the psychology around an event organizer. Sometimes, or many cases, event organizers don't do stuff for the attendees. They do it to see how many people can show up so they can feel better about themselves. And so, you know, they, you know, again, it got me thinking, well, and to be clear, I've gotten some invitations where people are like, well, we want you in the room, but we're not going to offer it uh, a virtual option. And I'm like, well, you just don't want me in the room. Then. You don't, you don't want my opinion. Like you want to say you had Joey there, but you don't want to you don't really want Joey's opinion. So, you know, I don't know what, how you all think about, you know, inclusion with various types of things you know, relative to the pandemic, it could be around just people's comfortability around uh, from, from a health standpoint. It could be in any other areas, you know, branding for the population or the users that you serve. Um, are there any things that, that you're seeing as, as it relates to kind of coming out of the pandemic and things that they're, they're thinking about? Yeah, it's actually been a pretty big topic um, as far as people with disabilities as, and um, being employed, essentially. Uh, a lot of times people with disabilities, they don't have the opportunity to go into someplace and work. Um, there's a lot of different factors, whether it be, you know, phantom pains and kind of pains that they experience without even doing anything, essentially, as well as just kind of the access to the work, essentially, and being around people and having affected immune systems from time to time, too. That's pretty common. Um, um, and something I was actually kind of warned about as well was having a compromised immune system after my injury. 
So there's a lot of different factors that go into it. And a big topic has been how many more people have been employed, like the percentage of people with disabilities that have been employed since things have gone virtual and people have been able to work from home on their computer um, through Zoom and things of that nature. So um, allowing that space to kind of open up was something that was unforeseen to me. And I'm still learning, you know, accessibility and um, barriers to entry as I go through this whole process. But I never would have imagined that I had like a 20 to 30% boost in people with disabilities having, you know, employment now, which is a, a huge, huge uh, level of discrimination. I don't want to say discrimination, but there's a big deficit there of people having disabilities and people with non-disabilities working. So it was, ha- it was great to see that. Um, and I actually have an experience of, you know, being invited to a big dinner thing that, that people wanted me to be a part of, but they hadn't even thought about it yet. And the location just being up a flight of stairs that I couldn't attend. And they didn't have a virtual way for me to attend, to be there, to introduce myself, to listen in on the conversation. It was just like, sorry, you know, we'll think about it. We'll plan a better next year. So um, yeah, that's, that's definitely a common factor in this thing. That's tough. That's tough. I don't know, Joe, I mean, no, no pressure, but um, any thoughts on that? Um, I mean, the only thing I would add is just that I think that the the pandemic um, and lots of us being forced to go virtual um, really, as Brandon said, opened up a lot of people's eyes to kind of what the possibilities are. I mean, I've been 100 percent remote for over a year now. Um, and, and, you know, my current role is literally there's not even an Atlanta office. And I think a lot of companies like weren't necessarily open to that conversation um, prior to um, us being forced to go inside. Um, but I agree, like the the downstream effects and just of, you know, like I love the fact, I had not even thought about the fact that this would open up, you know, let's say 20 to 30% more opportunities for um, people with uh, disabilities, let's say. And I think that that is an amazing byproduct, not of the pandemic, but just of companies thinking differently. And I think that that's the challenge as we're thinking about HR departments, um, you know, as we're thinking about how we, you know, think about our operations in general, um, how can we think differently? And ultimately what that does is it, it brings in more new ideas because, you know, most companies, if you're only (laughs) working with, you know, people who, you know, everyone gets around the same way, no one has to think about mobility differently, then you're missing out on a a segment of ideas um, that could really be game changing for your business or open up you know, incremental revenue or whatever that might be. And so in the same way that we talk about um, ethnic diversity and gender diversity and all of these things, you know, it, it really having people from different walks of life with different experiences who can speak to the culture behind that goes along with that experience, I think is always um, really great. So I love the fact that that more people are are being invited into the workforce um, as a result of this as well. So that's cool. Yeah, no, I love it. I love it. I love it. Yeah, yeah. Think, think differently. Think differently. Yeah, I, I um, I do want to talk about next. You know, you know where people are, where you all are today. I think Brandy may have hinted at it, but I do have like a, a quick other example. So early in the pandemic, or I want to say like last year, I was on Clubhouse and did a conversation. Uh, entrepreneur that was that was over overseas. I want to say they're in the Netherlands or something. Um, asked me a question around um, UI and UX. 
um, but he could not see. And so his question is around, you know, entrepreneurs and you're, you're building these startups, but, you know, you can't even see the, the, the product that you have. And I, I had never, ever considered that before. Like, and the reason I bring that up is I think there are so many use cases we don't think about and many people um, who, who, who don't, who, who take things for granted, like the ability to walk or to see or to hear or something like that. And I think it's our responsibility as people who, who make decisions, whatever this, the type of decision-making power you have to be as inclusive as possible. And again, one of the reasons why I wanted to do, do this particular episode is to shine a light on the opportunity to, to do so. And I think to, to Joy's point, think differently opens up a lot of other opportunities for you. And so, um, Brandon, where, where, where do things sit today? You kind of hinted at some, some, some pilots and some, some other things. You know, you know where are you sit today, and then also, you know, where do you see yourself moving forward with uh, with iAccess Life? Yeah, so that's a great question, honestly, because iAccess Life, and I'm guilty of the UX and UI kind of thing as well. We need to work a little bit more to be able to provide access to those who have visual impairments and hearing impairments ourselves. Um, like I said, we're still learning as we go along, and a lot of my focus at the time was on physical and mobility impairments and accessing physical locations. And of course, like, you know, there's blind people out there, you know, there's people that have hearing impairments out there, but until you're in their shoes and until you know what they need, you don't know how to serve them at the time. So it's, I don't feel like people should feel bad about things. It's just time to kind of be aware of these things and start to take progressive steps. And like Joy was saying, include those people in your workforce and include those people in their conversations and meetings because they open up your um, product to so many other different demographics, essentially. So as far as I access, we're definitely looking to expand our, you know, our mobile platform, our offering on there, um, whether that be partnerships with Passport, um, who we are working on that currently with and allowing people to pay for their parking from their phone through our application. Uh, we also have this disability etiquette and inclusion training or workshop that we do now as well. And that's more for corporate and smaller businesses, restaurant groups, things of that nature um, to kind of train their management staff as well as their customer facing employees, how to meet, greet and accommodate those with disabilities. Um, people first, identity first language essentially and small things that you can do around your location just to make it more accessible um, for those with disabilities and bigger things as well if you have some budget for that. So we're trying to educate people um, we want to be the experts in this space. And uh, I think the product that we're most excited about, which I don't want to speak too much about yet, because uh, it's still in the works and we still have some things going there, but it's pretty much going to be in a customer experience feedback platform. So um, we are giving ourselves a way to make actionable change. Um, the app was really great. It was to allow people to know where to go and places to avoid. And the ultimate goal was for these locations to see um, the market of people that they were missing out on, the friends, the family, and hopefully make a change. But now we actually have a way to, you know, set these set these customer experience collections up essentially inside a location, inside a hotel, inside a restaurant, get feedback from their um, customers and give actionable ways to fix things and, you know, actually start making a change. So that's what we're really excited about. And uh, we hope some more people reach out to us about that. And uh, you can find us at our website, www.iaccess.life. 
and info at iaccess.life as well if you want to reach out to us and uh, start talking. Nice, nice. Yeah. So let me let me uh, reiterate one thing that the, the brand is that, like. Listen, if you if you had a restaurant, you have a physical space, you know anybody in general. If you want to learn more about you know inclusion as it relates to mobility or other areas, hit this brother up. Hit him up. Go through a training. Have an initial conversation and then and then put your team through. I'll, I'll just I'll advocate in some way, shape, or form there. Enjoy what's exactly. and we don't want to hold, we don't want to scare people off by making it so much of a, a cost to entry essentially. So we have ways to do things without having to spend a whole bunch of money. Don't be turned off at the fact that hey, if we come there, we tell you that your place isn't accessible, that you have to spend all this money or spend a whole bunch of money on staff or things of that nature. Um, we're very open to giving feedback and helping you out and working with you guys. So definitely reach out. Don't be uh, scared to touch base with us. Nice, 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 nice. Joy, what, what about you? What's, what's next? New job? Uh, what's, what's next in general? Yeah, I mean, you know, I am um, really enjoying the process of, of getting getting my feet under me at Root and and learning a lot about the insurance space. And it's it's funny, even this conversation today has I'm I'm a curious person by nature, and so this conversation usually when I'm talking to people, all of these great ideas start to like these questions start to come up in my mind. So one of the things that just came to mind for me as we were talking of like I wonder like how insurance is affected by um, disabilities. Like, I mean, I don't know. Hopefully it's equitable, but I don't really know. So that's something I'm going to go research and and try to think about a little bit. And even um, also talking about um, the app space um, and UX design, when you were mentioning that, Joey, one of the things that also came to mind for me um, is, you know, Thinking about UX not only or design not only from the perspective of you know graphics and images and colors on within an experience, but I think it would be so interesting to see um, someone who might be visually impaired. Um, what might they design if there were no like graphics at all? What if they were just designing for you know? Um, users who who were also visually impaired and had to use voiceover if you took away the the graphical element and the images what might design look like if you mm. started from a different framework so all of that kind of stuff is like just so interesting to me <laughs> and um so i'm probably going to be thinking about a lot of that and just doing a little bit of research and trying to challenge myself um to expand how i think about these problems um and and how you know how we could could potentially come up with new and innovative solutions so that's really what this discussion has done for me um and you know brandon i'd love to keep in contact and just kind of keep track of what you're doing i think it's awesome so thank Thanks, Joey, for the opportunity. Yeah. No, no problem. I'd love, I'd love to say absolutely. I love that. I also have root insurance. So let's figure out if they are discriminating against people with disabilities. And then <laughs> insurance, feels, insurance feels a little too high. I think we can get it down. We'll cover a little bit better and more comfortable. So we'll stay in contact. <laughs> okay, great. I'm glad you're a customer. <laughs> I'm gonna need that. I'm gonna need that 30% discount now. But um, <laughs> no, that's good. This is awesome. This is awesome. Uh, well, this is this has been a great conversation. I think. You know, in, in closing, I don't know if you all want to have any words, but I, I would say not not any official closing. I would just say, just generally speaking, you know, think differently if you're out there. Think differently about inclusion. Um, think differently about mobility. Um, and and I'll say this too: absolutely support. Um, you know, Brandon. I want to. How about this? I'm gonna queue it up. I'm gonna go to Joy first for anything that she wants to close with. And Brown, I'm gonna give you a second to think about this. 
are there any ways that people can can assist you uh, as an entrepreneur? Well, Joe, I'm gonna kick it to you. Any any final words or thoughts or anything like that? You know, um, not a ton of uh, final words or thought for, thoughts for me. Really, just you know, excited for the opportunity to continue this conversation. I think it's great that we're talking about um, the importance of relationships, particularly um, you know within the technology ecosystem. Like Joey, I mentioned in my LinkedIn post, kind of promoting this today. That you know, when I first arrived in Atlanta ten years ago, um, I think Goody Nation was one of the first organizations that I plugged in with. I was just looking for ways to get involved and meet people, and so I think that you know that. Has has grown into a variety of different um, ways for me to continue to connect with Goody Nation and also to kind of meet other people. And a lot of those relationships that I formed kind of in those first few years in Atlanta when I was just kind of out there like being scrappy and meeting people and building relationships like have really paid dividends um, over the last decade. And so I think that this is such an important conversation um, to continue to have. And so just thanks for having me today. Awesome. Awesome. Brandon? Uh, any final, third, final words and also how can people help? Yeah, um, stop parking in handicap spots if you don't need them. <laughs> no, um, pretty much just, just be an advocate. It's like one of those things that if, I don't want to say violence or silence is violence, but it's like one of those things where it's speak up, um, kind of have a say in some things and be on the forefront. Um, I don't know, just follow us at iAccess. I access life essentially. Um, keep in contact with what we're doing. Tell a friend about us. Tell a family member about what we're doing. Um, we're trying to expand and kind of become more of a mainstream, not just like we're focused on disabilities, but we want everybody to be able to go have fun, whether you have a stroller, um, whatever it may be. So, yeah, talk about I access life. Talk about accessibility in general. Don't be afraid of the topic. It's uh, you don't know until you know. So. Don't let your ignorance be your bliss, essentially. Um, it can come back and bite you in the butt down the road. So, yeah, that's it for me. Nice, nice, nice. Cool. Well, this has been an amazing conversation. Um, you all and everyone watching, thank you for tuning in. Um, a few things, Brandon, Joy, hopefully the, the relationship kind of continues offline. And Joy, feel free to give him some advice and so on and so forth. Uh, maybe, maybe even make some some warm interest. And for, for everyone else watching, again, same thing. Um, coaching warm intros customers capital providers for brandon but also follow us uh at goody nation instagram twitter facebook linkedin so on and so forth it's been an awesome conversation and look out for more for goody nation moving forward uh be safe y'all and uh peace out thank you for tuning into the wild relationships matter podcast by goody nation we hope you enjoyed it if you were inspired want to make a difference if you want to close the relationship gap please follow us at goody nation on all social media channels or log on to our website goodynation.org peace